thank you. Good morning, everybody. Yeah, I am excited about this word. Uh, I actually didn't tell Mark what I was speaking on. We haven't had a chance to connect, and I didn't tell Jez. I had to call Jez and be like, so, I know I'm on worship this week, but uh, how do you feel about me not doing it? <laughs> and he's so gracious. Thank you, Jez. Really appreciate you. But I'm so encouraged. The Lord's already at work because it's so on topic. It's so on theme. Uh, the topic for today is going to be the eternal now. I really felt a strong sense from God to just speak about this and unpack a little bit about what God's been doing in my life, what he's been highlighting to me. But the eternal now, it's going to be, as I said, quite a simple message. But I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit's going to be talking to you. And so pay attention. Pay attention to what uh, Spirit will whisper into your ear or what he'll highlight in your life. I'm, I'm yielding to the Lord this morning and I'm going to surrender my, um, I guess, sense of like, I'd love it to land this way or that way. But just know that God's moving. I've seen it this morning. And so can we embrace that? Can we just lean in and just let the Lord do his thing? Few nods? Yep. Yeah? Great. Okay. Excellent. So we're going to start with the scripture verse, Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11. This is one that I've just been meditating on a lot lately, and I'm just going to read it out for us. Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. I've come back to this verse a lot in the last couple of weeks, and I'm still drinking deep from it. So I just want to share some of the thoughts that I've received, some of the revelation I've received. And you've seen that I've highlighted a few words here. So that's actually going to be my three points today. We're going to talk about time, eternity, and God's work. So starting with time, you know, time is limited. We've been given the gift of time on earth. And time is measured, you know, by the seconds and the hours and the days and the weeks. And um, the Bible talks a lot about time. And we learn that in the beginning, before there was time, there was God. You know, Jesus talks a lot about time. And there's timing on our lives. And there's, there's, like I said, there's schedules and there's things that we do with our day that all has to do with time. And in some ways, time's a resource. You know, we don't want to waste it. We also don't know how to get more of it. And sometimes we feel like it escapes us. I feel like I'm finally at the age of my life where I just talk about how fast the year is going literally become my parents. <laughs> like, I'm like, wow, when I was young and I was bored on school holidays, I can't even remember what that was like. I never get bored. <laughs> like, boredom is a luxury. <laughs> but I think about it and I think, you know, time, it's relative. We experience it differently. Some of us can have a busy week. Some of us can be like, oh, this week was a bit slow. I felt a bit stuck. But we know that time exists and it's only going to exist in this season on earth. It's a gift to humanity and we know that there's a start and a finish. And so Jesus in the Gospels, he talks about how, you know, his time has not yet come. That's the first thing he says to his mum when he performs that miracle at the wedding. And he talks about time and time again. And, you know, Jesus is born and it's like 30 years before he even begins his ministry. So he's not in a rush. Now, I think being the saviour of the world is quite an urgent issue. Like I would have started when I was four. <laughs> but, you know, God's got something he's doing that we don't fully understand because it involves outside of time. It's in the eternal now. So let's put time to the side for a moment. And now I want to talk about eternity. Eternity. Now, one time I remember waking up. I was on a missions trip up in North Queensland. And so we were really like going big every day. And we were having these incredible moments and getting a lot of teaching and seeing God move and do the miraculous. But I remember waking up one morning and having like something of a panic attack thinking about eternity. Like I thought about eternity and I was like, 
it's just gonna be forever. Like it's just gonna never end. Anyone freaked out about eternity when you sat and thought about it? It's just my mind can't measure it and so I don't understand it, so I just default to fear. And it's just like, oh my gosh, like I don't like days that go forever. They're not fun. Like when I climb into bed at night, I'm like, oh, thank you. Like I'm so grateful that it's now nighttime and this day has ended and I get a new day tomorrow. Wiping all that away is quite terrifying for me. And I'm thinking, eternity, what does that mean? So I actually began this little process with the Lord where I was thinking a lot about eternity. And what we know is that the eternal, like God, one of his attributes is that he's eternal. He exists outside of time, and yet he has come into time. And the eternity aspect, I want to speak a little bit about this by using time as an example. Stay with me. So my sister, she was in the army full time for many years. And she was very, very fit. She held like the record at her base for one-arm push-ups. So she was ripped. So when she was down on holidays, I wanted to spend some quality time with her. And quality time for her is going to the gym. Never been to a gym before in my life. So I go to the gym with her. We walk in. You know, she goes straight to the weights. I take one look and I'm like, no chance. So I go over to the exercise bike. <laughs> because I was like, yeah, it's a bike. I know how to ride a bike. So I get on the bike. It was in front of the TV. That's also what helped. But I had a little playlist. I said a couple of things, um, maybe like a couple of songs, and I started pedaling away. First song, second song, third song, woo, you know, I'm pumping it. Fourth song, got these pop songs, I think it was Calvin Harris, you know, so I'm just like with the beat. Now, I was thinking it's probably been like 25 minutes, like far out, I'm exhausted. I pull out my stopwatch. Six minutes. Six minutes. And I was wrecked. And I'd love to tell you that I kept going, but I didn't. I hopped off the exercise bike and went over to my sister and I said, well, I'm done. Like, how long are you gonna be? Like, I literally sat there and just spotted her, which was also a ridiculous idea. But it was just, you know, I was just like, well, that took forever, but it was six minutes. Now, another situation in your time. I was actually on a worship band and we were going to do a worship and prayer afternoon and we were going to pray for the nations. And my friends and I, as we were practicing and praying, we just felt this sense of anticipation and excitement. It was just a sweetness in the room. And we had a really amazing practice, which kind of was a worship time already. And when the people gathered, there was like about 100, 200 people there that day, we had decided and planned to do about four, three or four songs, similar to my playlist. Although I've got to say, there is a difference between three or four songs that aren't worship songs and three or four songs that are worship songs. If I picked worship songs from my bicycle playlist, it would have been 30 minutes. But here we are, we have three or four worship songs, and we were going to rotate out so that we didn't get tired. So that was the plan. Well, we just move into this place of worship, and God is just doing something really sweet and special. And we go through the first song, we go through the second song, we go back to the first song. We jumped into the fourth song, and it was just incredible. It's one of, like, honestly, one of the best experiences of my life. But I remember one particular moment where I suddenly tuned in to my body, and I was like, my feet are sore. Like, you know, like, what's going on? And I just happened to like pull out my phone and look at the look at the clock, and we had been worshiping for five and a half hours on four songs. <laughs> So what that taught me about eternity is that it's not so much about measuring time or being a long time or taking forever, it's about being fully present. 
And so we don't get to like define eternity by time. It's outside of time, but it's about the presence. It's about being fully present. And so I had this revelation in that moment. I was like, okay, God is doing something in time and in the eternal. And the scope of God's work, we can't actually fully understand because we don't have the perspective of the eternal. But what we do have is Jesus demonstrating a kingdom that actually points towards the eternal. And the way we live in that kingdom is by living in relationship with God and letting him come with us in the present and letting us actually tune into his presence. So the best way that I can actually demonstrate to us what it looks like to let God fully develop the beauty of what he wants to do throughout the course of life, in this life and the next, is really about being in the present. And so that's when time and eternity crosses over. Okay, so if we look at this verse again, it talks about how God has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, we still cannot see the whole scope of God's work. So there's a mystery. We know that it's beautiful. We know that God is working things out for our good. We know that we already see a little bit of that, this side of the cross, but we can't see all of it this side of eternity. So there's parts that we know and there's parts we're yet to know, but we rest on God's character and nature. That's what we keep redirecting ourselves back to. In the chaos, in the challenge, in the threat, in the sense of like, wow, is God in control, out of control, what's gonna happen with me? We come back to what Jesus has proven about who God is and what he's demonstrated through the resurrection power that we actually have something, we're anticipating good, we are moving towards good. I think about Jesus' last few hours before he went to the cross, and just like, if you ever want a really rich couple of chapters to read in the Bible, read those chapters 14 to 17 in the Gospel of John. Like, Jesus is just summarizing as much as he can and giving it to the disciples. You know, he's about to go to the cross, he's finishing up his mission, he's about to do the next step, and he's just downloading and imparting all this truth to them. And he talks about uh, the reality of what they're leaving, or what they're gonna be left with. You know, like, you're gonna live in a world that's broken, you're gonna live in a world where it's rejected me, it's gonna reject you, it's gonna be hard. But he says that you will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. I think that's something I've come back to a lot when I think about the beauty of God, and that all of the texts talk about beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning. We don't have this fake self-help motivation of like, yeah, just stay positive. It's not about that. It's about eternal perspective. It's about recognizing that this grief, this present suffering is moving towards joy. And the Bible tells us, which is demonstrated that it's possible through Jesus, the Bible tells us that joy will remain and it will not be taken from us. And I just love that. I think that's so powerful to think about how you know, sometimes when you're having a really great day or a really great season, it's like, okay, well, I'm enjoying it now, but what's going to happen? We can live with this sense of dread or it's too good to be true or I'm having a good week, but might not relax into it in case, you know, things change or I love this job, but nothing seems to be permanent. And um, when you go back into this text in Ecclesiastes 3, if you read a couple of verses beforehand, actually starting with verse 1, uh, the author of this text talks a lot about seasons. And when you read all the seasons that they list, it sounds a little bit chaotic. It's like, even things like, a time to hug, a time to refrain from hugging. It's like, okay, what? A time to collect stones and a time to scatter them. It's like, okay, what? You know? 
It's like these, it seems like backwards and forwards, like a little bit chaotic. But what the author is wanting us to recognize is that there's seasons within time. And seasons are temporary. That is such good news if you're going through a tough season. Yeah. And it's such good news for us to recognize that seasons are temporary. So what we can do with the time that is given to us is to steward it well. And instead of like, I guess, defaulting to what the world does and what sometimes can be a good thing, is we want to fill it up. You know, we want to use our time well by maximizing it. Now, I'll be a little bit vulnerable with you. I used to easily do 80 hour weeks. Like I had to see a speech therapist because I would lose my voice. And when we broke down how much I was doing, it was like I would start my day. My first meeting was at 7.30. I had meetings during breakfast, lunch, dinner, and then my clock off meetings would be 9.30 and then I dealt with drama, issues of teams overseas, missing flights or being caught in wars. It was just non-stop. And I had a grace in my life for that season but I remember just thinking, wow, I've maximized my days, you know, and I was really grateful for the Sabbath. But I felt like that was a season of my life where that was appropriate. Whereas now I'm in this new season where I have most of my nights off and I have my weekends off and I get to decide what I'm going to do with those things instead of it being decided for me. And I found it a real test of my heart that it's not so much about what I'm going to do with that time, but what's a priority to me. And that's where the Lord brings the eternal into the now. What's a priority to you? Because there's going to be so much distraction. There's going to be so many things that want to pull you into all different ways. And when we were covering the topic of the Sabbath at church, and God started speaking to me about the Sabbath in 2019, and I was like, yeah, cool. <laughs> and then, you know, it was like for Sabbath, which 2020. But I feel like God's still speaking to me about it. But a huge, like, I guess, shift for me was one time I was having my Sabbath, you know, my dedicated time where I, like, okay, it's gonna look like this. And I just got so interrupted, so distracted, like life just happened and I gave into it and was just running around. And I remember the Holy Spirit interrupted me and he just, it's gonna sound harsh, but it was actually loving for me. The Holy Spirit interrupted me and he just said, you know, Sarah, if I can't have a day, how am I gonna have your life? Like if you can't master a day, how are you gonna master a life? And I think that's a really important point to make is that, you know, we're just, we're not, there's no grace to be in the past thinking about former things. The Bible says forget the former things. It doesn't mean we don't remember in a way of like honor and celebration and thanksgiving, but we're not to dwell in the past. And I found that a lot of my days were not just distracted and chaotic. Um, but sometimes it's no fault of mine. It's not from lack of planning. It's just the nature of the world. You know, you get a couple of crisis calls, you get a couple of things that don't work, you've got to go to the mechanics, can I get an amen, things happen, all right, so there's that, but it's like, how do I respond in that place, and what is a, what's, what am I choosing to be a priority, and it's like, the unbalanced life is a life lacking priority, but am I letting God pick that priority, because his priorities, his purposes are kingdom purposes, they're eternal, yeah. they're going to count for something, they're not going to be a waste of my time. And I don't need to feel all these things in my day in order for myself to be effective or fruitful or in order for me to actually live the life that God's called me to live. So that's where I want to go a little bit with that. I also want to just share, we're not going to go very long today, I just want to share one last story. Now this story, it seemed to me a little bit random. I, you know, I live on this side of Newcastle, I'm usually going on the train or on a plane. So I don't really go through Charlestown very much. But I went through Charlestown like four or five times this week. So as I was driving, I had this memory come up 
Now, this memory, I have not thought about this situation in such a long time. I had to call my sister and be like, do you remember this happening? And she actually reminded me of something else that happened to do with what I'm gonna share. And as a full context. Now this story came to mind, like I said, five times. And I remember thinking, random. And as I'm praying for what to share this week and I'm driving to Katoomba and I'm like spending time you know, asking God, okay, I feel like this is the topic. This story kept coming up. And I was thinking, I don't see them connecting. But I realize now as I continue to pray and get God's insight, it totally connects. So I'm gonna share this story because I was trying to think of an illustration that would demonstrate this. And there's so many ways I could show you where I felt God's presence. Like I said, in the worship time, or when I've been at the beach on a really nice sunset, or maybe when I'm hanging out with friends and we're just really enjoying each other's company and time just goes and I feel just God's goodness in my life. This story was not like anything like that. So to give you some context, and this was the part my sister reminded me of. Uh, so my family used to love going to Video Easy. Right? Everyone remember Video Easy? Okay, for those of you who don't remember, I'm just gonna look over here for a moment. Okay, Video Easy was this amazing shop where you could go and rent DVDs, right? Or like movies, TV series. And what was so great about that is that you didn't have to sit online and scroll and scroll or look up movie reviews or look at trailers to pick a movie. You could just ask your Video Easy guy. And that's what our family did. We became really good friends with our Video Easy guy. We'd rock up on a Friday night, Video Easy, family movie night, no one can decide, we're all in different aisles browsing. We go to the Video Easy guy, okay, what do you recommend? He's like, what do you want? We're like, adventure, a little bit of drama, lots of action. Mm. I recommend these three. He'd put them forward and he'd never be wrong. He was such a legend. So he was basically a family friend. He might have been invited to a birthday party or two. Such a good guy. So one night, on a Friday night, we had all been working late, and so we were there at like 9.30, right before they closed. And he's giving us his best three recommendations. And because we were standing, now this video easy used to be on Pacific Highway where the Salvation Army building is right now, the off shop. So we were in there, tucked around the side, and something kind of random happened. This guy came in, and he was a little bit startled to see my mom, my two sisters and I, talking to the video easy guy. The place was empty. And he walked up to the counter and he had a $50 note. And he said, hey mate, do you have change for a 50? Um, the guy opens his till. No, sorry mate, no change for 50, closes the till. That's it, he leaves. Now, mum, my mum, was a bit sus. Like, she was like, hmm. We walked out, we said goodnight. Now this guy hadn't parked in the video easy car park. He parked across the road behind a skip. Again, my mum, who was a big watcher of Law and Order, considered herself a little bit of an amateur detective. She was like, that's weird. That's a bit strange. We didn't think of it. We got in the car, we drove home. We found out the next day that that gentleman had come back in when we left and had robbed the Video Easy store. And what his technique was, was asking for a change so he could see what was in the till. If there was enough in it, he would come back in and rob the place. So we heard about this, we went back up, we talked to the guy, and like, oh, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, I'm a bit freaked out. And you know, it's kind of, mom's like, I knew it, I had a sense. <laughs> and we were like, yes, mom, okay, cool. So two weeks later, so this is the, that's the context, two weeks later, my sister and I, we also worked on Pacific Highway at Charlestown in a restaurant. This is late one night, no customers. We're kind of, gone, we're just kind of staying open if there's a couple of takeaways, it's about 9.30 at night again. And I'm with my sister, we finished cleaning and we're just behind the counter. Now, I look up, and the place was smaller than this building, just to give you an idea of the time. 
And I look up and I see the gentleman that came into the video easy to ask for the change. I see him come in through the front doors. Now I'm like, like it's like quite a small room. I see him come into the doors and I look at my sister and she looks at me and I just walk over the till and I just start opening it and I start shoving all the money into my apron. Like I'm just like trying to look around, shoving it all in my apron. I go to close the till and my sister stops it and she pulls out two notes and sticks it back in because I've emptied the till. <laughs> Close the till. We just closed it when the gentleman came up to the counter. He's like, hey girls. I'm like, hello, good evening. And he's like, you got change for a 50? And I'm like, mm. So I open the till and there's like a $5 note and a $10 note in there. My sister just grabbed whatever she could and I was like, nah, mate, sorry, it's been a really slow night. He's like, he looks over and he's like, oh, no worries, all good. Thanks girls, see you later. And he walks out and my sister and I are like, oh my gosh, that's the guy. Like, what the heck? I'm like, how did you know to do that? I don't know, I just felt like I should do it. And I was like, oh, good idea putting the five and the ten back into the till. So we were like, adrenaline was like, up here. But the reason why I think about that story, what has it got to do with eternity and time, is that that was such a clear demonstration to me of what it's like in this life. We have the presence of God, but we're still dealing with chaos and threat and fear. And our reality is often dealing with you know people's brokenness and people's decisions and people's I guess ill intent in our lives but I can't tell you that there was like some kind of amazing technique I'm not such or I used to be back then before I was set free from fear I was not such a clear thinker in fear I'm the girl who had a meltdown on the 10 meter abseiling like experience at our year 8 camp the 10 meter not the 20 meter the 10 meter so when I was scared I just lost it like just brain freeze they had to send someone up to get me that's how I respond usually. But in that moment, when I look back at that time in my life, that particular night with my sister working late, um, you know, potentially being held up, I felt like this actual presence of God behind me. It was like he just had surrounded me. And I just remember being so clear. He walked in, I just immediately started doing this thing. And my sister somehow got the memo as well, started doing it, we dealt with it. And I remember just feeling so protected and covered Although I was still with the threat, although what was happening was still my reality, God's presence was there. And so when I was thinking about sharing this, it related back to this text. We can't see the full scope of God's work, but God's present, and he's redeeming things for our good. And that promise in Romans 8, 28, I encourage you to go back and look, look into it, because God's actually able to redeem all things, and he actually wants to do that in your life. So when it comes back to the topic of the eternal now, the best way for us to really grasp what God wants to do and not miss it is to tune into his presence, is to actually quieten down the noise. And the reason why Sabbath is so important is you're practicing that. You're practicing that with no distractions. You're spending time with God's presence. I wasn't praying when that gentleman came into the restaurant that night. I hadn't like just been listening to worship music when that gentleman came into my house that night. But it was a season in my life where I was very regular. And to this day, it's still a goal of mine to be regular with my time with God. Like I try and do it in the morning and I try and do it in the evening. It doesn't need to be a long amount of time, but it's a time where I connect, where I listen. I have to practice listening. Because when I connect with God, I'm like, all right, so here's what we need to do. <laughs> God, here's a list of what I'd like you to do. Here's my intercession. Here's the people I'd like you to like heal or restore. I'm so quick to just go for it and I'm learning and it's such a discipline to just listen and to be like, okay, God, I'm going to start with listening and, and, then, I, and then I'll talk, but you go first. <laughs> so it's this sense of just 
practicing that so that when those situations occur, when we're in those realities, the beauty of God is made aware to us. And he's a, he's a present help in time of trouble. That's what the Bible book says. You're not alone. You're not alone as you feel. And, the, and fear wants us to feel alone. That's actually one of the manifestations of fear is fear and pain will always want you to feel like you're the only one. And that's part of its lie. You're the only one that's ever suffered like that. You're the only one that's ever felt like that. Sure, there may be some unique things about your story, but you're not alone. And so God's presence reminds us of that. So last but not least, I'm going to have that last slide up, please. I just wanted to make this really practical. And I wanted to give you my three top... Wow, I really sound like I'm selling something here. I didn't get paid to say this. But these are my three favorite apps on my phone. And the reason why I'm putting them up here is they're really easy tools that you can use to begin to practice tuning into the presence of God in your life, recognizing what he's like, actually gaining his perspective, which is looking from eternity. You can gain his perspective now in this time for the time to come by understanding God's character and nature. So first of all, of course, the Bible app, which I'm just going to move on because that one. Lectio 365. Anyone seen this one? Oh, man, Sky. Yes, of course you would. It is, it is so good. It's Okay, the first time you listen to it, I, I felt, yeah, it's a little, it's, you're going to, yeah. <laughs> There's some parts where you're like, wow, so it talks about slowing down your breathing and just being present. And I was just like, oh, what is this, you know? But now I'm obsessed with it because it's a practice. It's a discipline. And it's prayerful and it really goes, goes in the scriptures and it just meditates on one verse. And then the word for today, every evening, I like to just look at that before I go to bed. What I'm doing is I'm setting my focus on Jesus. And he is the author and perfecter of our faith. He's the one who wants to be recognized in the now. And I think that's really important for me to continue to do that in my life and encourage you for yours, is that sometimes it doesn't, it doesn't require you to ignore reality or deny reality or escape reality or pretend it's not happening in a way that feels like super faith. It actually is about tuning into God, recognizing what his voice is saying to you, and then clinging to his character and nature, knowing knowing that grief turns to joy and that God's making all things new and that the eternal state that we get to steward in the now is going to impact eternity. Jesus, we just want to thank you so much that you are God, that you're outside of time, that you've, you've chosen to be present with us. God, you're present with me in my car today. You were present with others in their car today. Your presence is personal. So God, what I pray and request for us is that we would have an encounter with your presence in a personal way, God. Whether it's at the gym, whether it's out in the surf, whether it's just going for a walk, or whether it's in a situation that feels like complete chaos and fear. Lord, would we tune in and be people of your presence, God. That, God, your, your presence would call out to us and be made known, and we tune in to hear that voice. God, we just thank you to anybody today who just feels... I guess a little bit pressed or stressed or discouraged or grieving God, all the, all the things that are just going on in our world that is making an impact on us. Lord, I pray that in those moments your presence would come and heal. God, I pray that your presence would come and surround. And I pray, God, that your presence would just bring clarity of mind, clarity of thought, that, Lord, you have a better way. And you have a way that's leading to life and a way that's going to turn grief to joy. So we receive that right now, Jesus, and we ask for personal experience on those truths. In Jesus' name, amen.